0: Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. Keith, I like making a habit of this as we will once again recap a game that doesn't need to be recapped. We can simply repeat the final score and say job well done and move on. Let's just rerun last week's show
1: and maybe try to fill in uh, Syracuse instead of Miami any time we referred
0: to the opponent. There were a lot of similarities to last week's game, starting with the question about which quarterback would play and ending with the fact that the fans – left early to beat traffic. So that was a commonality between those games. <laughs> uh, I, I don't recall <clears throat> seeing a Dino uh, Babers
1: team that uninspired. Um, that, that was my first big takeaway about halfway through the first quarter. <clears throat> uh, they, they didn't show a whole lot of fight, and that's very contrary to how his teams normally play, not taking anything away from Florida State's victory. But uh, that jumped out at me real quick. What 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 was it like on the sidelines? I mean, I know the crowd got into it early.
0: And then, as you mentioned, they didn't left. <laughs> well, I'm going to give William Floyd a little credit on this. After Syracuse got to 6-0, and which I think was the NC State game, Floyd said he watched Dino's press conference, and he started by talking about how they were bowl eligible. You know, they're 6-0, they're bowl eligible. What a great job. Now, they've not won a game since then, and if you contrast that with last week, now I know it was a rivalry game for FSU, the team didn't even know they were bowl eligible. They were too busy paying attention to beating Miami and winning the next football game. Right. So, it is a complete, it's 180 degrees apart uh, in terms of the mindset. Now, Syracuse has had some injuries. I don't think it's all that, but uninspired is certainly probably a polite term if I was a Syracuse fan for that performance last night, right? Clearly, they must feel that their quarterback is pretty close to 100% because not only did they play him, they left him in the game until there was three minutes left. So if he really had an ankle that was that bad, you would have pulled him when the game was over, which certainly was early in the third quarter. Basically, it was over after the first drive because in two straight weeks, Keith, the first scoring drive of the game has been the game-winning score for FSU. I mean, that's how good they've been.
1: And, you know, you and I have talked about this. You know, I, I've never asked the question or heard the question asked. You may know the answer. But the, the scripting of the first drive, that's something that a lot of coaches, a lot of teams have been doing, not for a long time, but, you know, six, eight, ten years. And I know FSU spends a lot of time on that. Do we know if it's actually scripted, scripted? Or does Norvell just have a
0: kind of a series of sequence that he wants to go through? Have you ever asked that question? I've not asked that question. I think it's probably the latter because down and distance comes into play. I mean, you probably have an yep. idea of what plays you want to run, but now if it's if it's second and a half yard, are you still going to run the same play? Compared right. to something that more lends itself to uh but I don't I don't know the answer to that. I do know that Florida State leads the ACC in scoring on opening drives of a half and they rank among the nation's leaders in that in that category. They did it again last night. And when you're playing on the road, not just playing on the road, but when you want to show the the opponent, that they're going to have to to bring their A game because they're in in for a fight? I don't know that there's much more disheartening than just going down the field on the opening drive and and, and serving up notice that, hey, we're here. I don't know if you guys are going to be here, but we're here. Well, not to disagree with you, but to
1: take it one step further, when you win the toss and you elect to receive and then you go three and out, And the opposing team takes their first drive and goes all the way down the field and scores a touchdown. That may be more demoralizing.
0: Yeah. Well, and it was, I mean, Syracuse went three and out how many times in that game? They basically had, they had two chunk plays in the entire game and they were both on the same drive. And one was a 16 yard run by Sean Tucker. And the other was a 25 yard pass to Gadsden that got a face mask penalty tacked on. And they still didn't score a touchdown on that drive. That was it. They did nothing else offensively. The, the biggest thing to me, we're rambling a little bit, but the biggest thing
1: that jumped out at me after, you know, seeing Syracuse not fight like I expect them to, and then seeing Florida State, of course, this happened first, but Florida State take that opening drive and march right down the field. But when Florida State turned the ball over, and Syracuse was in field goal range plus or minus at the time the ball was turned over. But FSU's defense made them go three and out, and they lost about 12 yards, and they ended up having to punt, I think, on that one. That, that's the type of thing. You know, we've spent all these weeks talking about FSU offensively. We've talked about Travis. We've talked about the running backs and wide receivers. The offensive line, which we, we've got to give some kudos to, that might be the best performance by the offensive line because Syracuse is a reasonably good, you know, defensive team uh, against the run. And they just dominated, but going in and defensively on a sudden change, not only are you already in scoring range with a field goal, you actually back them up because you got I think you got a sack and maybe a tackle for loss in addition, and force them to punt. There's that's been a long time since we've seen that so Florida State defense do that.
0: Well, it was it was impressive. That was actually the drive where they missed the field goal. It was a, is that the one they missed? Okay, yes. Yeah. But what I did think about is one of the games we were on the road this year against NC State after the mistake by the punter when he ran past the line of scrimmage and punted, NC State took over that night in short territory, and they got a couple of holding calls and a sack, and they back, they lost 22 yards on that drive, but their kicker made a 54-yard field goal that proved to be the difference in that game. So. As they were lining up, I was like, no, we don't need any of this again. The defense just had them go three plays and minus 12 yards. Let's not get points out of it. Exactly. Their their kicker missed. And he's a former Groza winner. Obviously, he doesn't have quite the leg that the NC State kicker does. So, a lot of things there. You mentioned the offensive line, Keith. Let's give them some love. Fifth straight game with over 200 yards rushing. And the last time that happened for Florida State was 1995, which is a few years ago.
1: (laughs) Yeah. there's a lot of things that this team is doing offensively uh, well, and it starts with that offensive line and you can just see them, you know, starting to play with confidence. I don't recall, you correct me. You're, you're, you were right there, but I don't recall a pre-snap penalty. Uh, They might've had one penalty for too many people in the huddle. Uh, I guess that technically is a pre-snap, but you didn't see holding calls. Um, you didn't see breakaways in terms of getting to the quarterback. Um, you know, Travis was, uh, gosh, what do you have? Two two balls that were dropped. The rest of them were caught. Um, yeah, that offensive line. By no means are we telling anybody they're they're a top ten or they're a top twenty, but they are certainly so improved and so much more confident than when the season started uh, in terms of just development. Uh, hats off to Coach Atkins and that group for the work they've done.
0: It's a really good group. Yeah, there were two false starts by a backup lineman on the field goal attempt, but I think you're right. I don't know that there was any in terms of first, second, or third down with the first teamers out there. Jordan Travis, Keith, is making it look easy. He was 21 of 23, which is 91.3%, which just missed the school record, which was Jameis at 92%. Pittsburgh. 25 of 27 against Pittsburgh. But remember that Travis was 10 of 12 last week against Miami. With three touchdowns last week and three more this week. So what does that make him? Thirty-one of uh thirty-seven or no of thirty-five with six touchdowns over the last two games. Plus what he's done rushing and receiving. That's not too shabby. You can win some ball games doing that, do you think? <laughs> he seems so in command now. And I think so. Here's a good topic related to the Syracuse, the Syracuse's opponent. If you recall last year. FSU played Syracuse in game five when the Noles were 0-4. And, and there was still question about, is it Mackenzie Milton? Is it Jordan Travis? Because we'd seen both play. Jordan had been nicked a little. And that was a game where he led Florida State. Uh, it shouldn't have needed a game-winning drive because they blew a 10-point lead twice in that game. But in the last minute, he led FSU down the field with a couple of long scrambles, and Fitzgerald hits a kick to win the game. And that, I think, is really... Well, I don't think, I know that's when the coaches decided to go with Jordan Travis as the quarterback, but more than that, it's when Jordan started getting confident that he Mm -hmm. can play the position. And so if you put that as a marker in the ground, I don't know the date of the game. I'll put it at October 1st last year. So 13 months ago, 13 and a half months ago, look at how FSU has played since then. They finished last year, five and three, they They're seven and three right now. They're, they're beating the teams they should beat, which is something that we've wanted to see them do for a while, which is a step in the the climb. I just think it's fascinating the improvement that Travis has made since that date 13 months ago.
1: You know, the knock on him uh, was that he could not throw the ball from the pocket and that he was a little bit erratic. And when you go 10 of 12 and 21 of 23 or whatever you just cited as the last two games, I think that uh, notion has been dispelled. Uh, there was the question that maybe he didn't throw the long ball as well as you would like him to. I think that notion's been dispelled, uh, that he takes off, he rabbits too quick, doesn't stay in the progression, tries to run the ball. I think that's been uh, disproven. Um, he does need to protect the ball, uh, but that's, I think that's something that comes at continuing age and work. So yeah, he's checked all the boxes. You know, We talked about Development. And one of the things that uh, under prior regimes hadn't happened is you had these good players coming in, but they didn't get any better. Well, he's certainly one that came
0: in and has gotten a whole lot better. How about to your point about rabbiting out of the pocket too soon? The strip sack last night was a play he's so comfortable in the pocket. That was one where the internal clock needed to go off because he was there for five seconds. That would have never happened previously for him to be that comfortable and not get happy feet in the pocket um and again there's always we're nitpicking that's a play he should have probably realized he'd been in the pocket too long and he needed to do something with it but yeah he's playing well and and Trey Benson we talked about him last week this is three straight games over 100 yards Trey's got a chance at a thousand yard season this year with three games to go and I, I just don't recall seeing a running back not that running backs come in as finished products but from the get go, you kind of see what they are. But that has not been the case with Trey Benson. He's peeling a, a different layer every week as he gets more and more comfortable coming back from this injury. Some of the tackles that he's breaking or running through are, are
1: reminiscent of, you know, Herschel and Bo, and I mean, you know, those big guys at 230, 240. Now he's, he's a, he's a well put together young man. Okay. He, he has spent some time with Coach Storm. Uh, the weight room is not someplace he has not been frequenting. But his power and, and, and his balance, and, and as we've mentioned last week, his ability to seemingly not take a direct shot or a big hit. And then, you know, we talk about wear on the tires and that type of thing. But, you know, he's, he's got two years where he didn't carry the ball 250 times each season or whatever it might've been. And so he is certainly taking advantage of this opportunity that has presented itself. And, and I, I know you saw it, but you know, uh, some of the metrics that uh, those advanced metrics, they have him as the best running back in the country right now, in terms of ability to break tackles yards after contact, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: He's at 790 yards, excuse me, uh, right now with two regular season games. So he might do it in the regular season, the way he's running the football right now. Um, I don't have the updated numbers, but before the game, Keith, uh, you're talking about fresh legs. I looked at Sean Tucker's carries compared to Trey Benson's, Sean Tucker, the starting running back for Syracuse. And they don't spell him at all. He stays on the field the entire time. And I think it was about 130 carries for Tucker. And he's their second leading receiver too, but I'm just talking the carries. And it was about 80 for Trey Benson going into last night's game. So now it's probably 140 to 100. Uh, but, I, I mean, you look at Tucker, and he looks like he's beaten down right now. This guy was an All-American last year. And other than one 16-yard run, he's not doing much at all on that Syracuse team.
1: Well, yeah, he ran for 1,500 yards last year, plus or minus. So, uh, yeah, he, he was highly touted and recognized, and rightfully so, coming into the, to, to, to the season. Uh, has not been able to, to turn the numbers. Um, You can tell by looking at him though, this is not the first time he's ever carried a a football either. If he had some little more help up front, a little more uh, uh, momentum with the team, uh, he would be someone that would be very, very dangerous. Uh, But again, going back to Trey, you know uh, he, he just continues to amaze in, in, in his forward motion and, you know uh, he he waited patiently while uh, Trayshon Ward got his carries early in the year and I did see where Ward did get back in for a couple of snaps if not more uh, so that was good to see um but Florida State's got a got a pretty good little thing going in that running back room right now
0: yeah they really do I'm trying to think uh, offensively it was good to see Malik McLean score a touchdown i mean really it wasn't just that Jordan Travis completed a bunch of passes. He he involved 10 or 11 different receivers. So uh, I don't know where opposing defensive coordinators begin when they, I, I guess they begin with Jordan Travis and you have to decide, are we going to let him throw or are we going to let him run? But after that, I'm not really sure what you try to take away because there's so many weapons on this team right now. And Florida State, when you're as balanced as they are, they can, they can very easily counter whatever you do. If you crowd the box, they can throw. If you don't crowd the box, they can run. Uh, if, you, if you're on the right hash and you're playing man coverage on the far left and there's not a safety within half the football field, you throw the ball to Johnny Wilson or Malik McLean and let them break one tackle and run to the end zone, uh, it just seems like it's, uh, it's a really tough offense to defend at present.
1: With um, with
0: Travis's
1: reception, uh, twelve by my count, twelve Seminoles caught passes in the ball game. I'm pretty sure uh, that the touchdown pass to McLean was not called. Uh, in, on, on replay, it looked like a running play, and Travis just made the decision to throw the ball out. Now, I don't know if he signaled him. I don't know what their communication is for uh, him to be expecting the pass. Um, and so that was probably a pre-snap decision by Travis, which worked very well. Uh, yeah, I don't want to go one-on-one with uh, with uh, Johnny Walker in any way, straight, shape, form, fashion. I used to get into pushing matches with Mike Smith and Bobby Butler and Monk Bonasort because we did angle tackling drills. And for a couple of years, that meant I had to go up against Mark Lyles, who was 6'4", about 235. And I would conveniently invite myself up a spot or back a spot, so I didn't have to go up against Mark. I don't want to go up against Johnny either. I know he's not uh, uh, he's a little bigger than that from a height standpoint, but uh, i'm I'm not interested in trying to take him on one on one in any way, shape, form or fashion today, yesterday or thirty seven
0: years from tomorrow. one one slight correction on this, Keith, and I don't want to insinuate that this maybe you were sipping on this last night, but you referenced Johnny Walker. And it's Johnny Wilson, but I'm not, I'm I'm not drawing any conclusions on it. Well, wait a minute. Let me get to, wait till I get to talking about Jack.
1: Don't we have a Jack out there somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) My bad, my
0: bad (laughs) listeners. My bad. (laughs) Um, So, so defensively again, we've uh, it's an oversimplification, but then it's not, we keep talking about having Fabian Lovett back in the middle. It, It just seems like it has helped so much. One thing I see is, it just feels like the quarterback is having to, now, now Schrader has missed some time and he's not a hundred percent. So he's probably not in the best sink. And last week you were seeing quarterbacks play that, that hadn't played a lot of football, but it feels like just the rush getting there a, a half step sooner, or a second sooner, whatever it is, the ball's coming out a little bit earlier. And so the DBs are in better coverage at that point. And there's more balls that are contested even, even late in the game when Amari Gainer was in there and he got beat on a wheel route, uh, there was some pressure up the middle, which is why Schrader couldn't really step into that throw, and he overthrew him, mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't as accurate. So it just seems like that that really is making a difference.
1: The other thing, too, and, and again, I think you and mean disagreed—not disagree, but we're coming from different angles. You know, I again, I thought I didn't see the play count uh, in the in the chart, uh, but I thought that. Florida State was a little more man coverage oriented against Miami. And I think they again were against Syracuse. But the other thing that impressed me is, and you pointed this out against the Miami game. There were a couple of times also last night where Florida State was in zone coverage, but it wasn't your, what I used to refer to as your typical zone coverage where I run to a spot and I stand still until somebody catches the ball and then I go tackle them. (laughs) <laughs> you know, now they're running to an area. They're looking up. They're seeing the quarterback eyes, and they're breaking on the ball before the ball even gets out of his hands in zone coverage. And I think that's just the maturity and the continued uh, work and and the growing up, uh, the competition in the DB room uh, that is making this Florida State defense that much better. Yes, yeah, Schrader uh, was was not his normal self. Uh, I think Syracuse ended the ball game with what sixty five yards passing, which you know, just not supposed to happen in today's world. Uh, and you can credit beginning with Fabian and Coop up the middle, Peyton on the outside, Verse on the outside. You saw Gaynor on some blitzes. You saw Dent a couple of times. I believe it was Dent on safety blitzes uh, that were timed very well. Uh, and it's just a continuation of, of uh, you know, Adam and, and, and them being more comfortable and dialing up pressure and not worried about, you know, receivers getting behind them. Uh, and as you mentioned, even when they do get behind them, quarterbacks got somebody in their face. It's not a clean throw. And, um, and they're just playing very well. well. 200 yards, less than 200 yards in of total offense for Syracuse.
0: Yep. Yep. I mean, it was another, another whitewash uh, in that regard. And one area that's been cleaned up significantly, Keith, since everybody threw their arms up like this after the bye week, or first quarter against Georgia Tech when they line up Toa Feely in, in the backfield as uh, in the Wildcat, and he mishandles the snap, right? And Georgia Tech returns mm-hmm. it 70 yards, and a lot of talk about the red zone. Well, since then, they're 14 for 14 because they went four for four the rest of the way against Georgia Tech, six for six last week, five for five last night, I think. So it might be 15 of 15. Um, so it's been impressive, and, and more than that, the the touchdown percentage has been higher. Now, right, I don't, I don't know that I would have called the, uh, whatever they call it, the tally special, but the the throw to Jordan Travis, I don't know if I would have burned that play in that game last night. But uh, then again, I kind of like that Norvell did and just completely stepped on the throw to Syracuse there, their last dying breath to try and get a goal line stand, and he wasn't going to have it.
1: Well, w- w- one more thing, only because I'm old. That was Rector. <clears throat> and remember, Rector is a high school quarterback. Uh, That was Rector throwing to Travis. You go back and look at the tape, and the tight end is wide open, right underneath the right goal post upright at the back of the end zone. So I would disagree with you. I love that they ran
0: that play. You're saying because now
1: now everybody's going to be looking for Travis, and all Rector's got to do is turn back to the left a little bit and throw to that wide open, possibly wide open tight end. And that's the way Norvell's offense is. You do this, you do this, you do this. I mean, it, 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 in fact, uh, they were, they, they, they were, there was discussion about it last night, uh, and, and I've, I've never considered this, but the play where Travis will fake to the running back and then go down the line like he's going to run and then raise up and throw the ball to the outside receiver is now, at least according to, to some folks, now being referred to as the new triple option.
0: Yeah, well, I could see that. I, I I could see that you just create conflict for the defenders, and you have to be fundamentally sound. And if you're not, the the offense will burn you. Exactly. Yeah, it it, it it was a fun night. There were a lot of FSU folks there to get to seven wins. Seven and three sounds so much better than six and three, and feels like with two games left, you certainly are going to get to eight. I think pretty good chance you're going to get to nine and be playing a bowl game for a chance to to go for ten which nobody, really nobody had that in the preseason. I mean, anybody who was picking nine wins in the start of the season, we were referring to as Pollyanna or drinking a little too much Kool-Aid. And we'd gone we are... to basketball.
1: Or we'd gone to basketball.
0: Yeah. Here, here we you know... are uh, right right in position to do that. Trying to think of other things from last night. Special teams uh, was clean again. Uh, shout out to the Syracuse punt returner for fair catching balls on the five-yard line. We appreciate that. Um trying to think what else Mike Micah Pittman Keith I, I I know you feel that no ball should ever hit the ground the the way these punters punt nowadays and Syracuse's punter has been scuffling a little bit he's good for a shank about every five kicks but you know you're punting at 25 yards and it's bouncing to the point that it, I don't think Pittman could have caught some of those on the fly but should he be going up there and trying to get them on one bounce and then just dive down or just let them bounce like he's doing if he can't catch it clean should he go chase the bounce he he should chase the
1: bounce <clears throat> the, the my my view on that is you catch anything in the air that's why they made the fair catch you go after like you're going to field anything that bounces and then and then make the decision to leave it alone and if i i'm you know i might have been in that johnny walker johnny wilson jack uh problem <laughs> But I believe he fielded one on the bounce, did he not?
0: He might have. I just know there were a couple. Yeah, he did. I think he did get one. Right. But there's some right. when you're more in the traffic area and it, it feels, I mean, I, I understand what his thought process is. There's three of the opponent around. And if you don't catch it clean, now you've muffed the punt and they could recover it right there. So he's getting out of the way. Just seems like that's happened a lot. And I'm not, I think he's been. I mean, compared to where we've been on punt returns, this year has been a blessing compared to the last several years. Agreed. You know. agreed. The only other thing that jumped out at me in the kicking game is I, I've
1: been, we all have, have been hypercritical of the, of the place kicker, Fritz. And um, I, I've just been watching his extra points, um, the field goal that he missed. Whatever that technique change was is working for him because those, those kicks are true. Now, he, he's not noted as having a Janikowski or a Billy Capice leg. So that 51-yarder, I mean, it came up short. I'm sure you were probably standing there looking at it ready to catch it. But it was, it was dead center. You know, I, I use the stupid analogy. It's like you know, reading putts on a golf course. You know, there's, there's reading the putts from a directional standpoint, left, right, or otherwise. And then there's distance. And of course, with a golf club, you can do pretty much what you want with the distance. But with a place kicker, you know, he was at his, his limit unless he tries to overextend, but it was right down the middle. And yeah. uh, all of his kicks, they've not been just tucked inside the left or just tucked inside the right. Um, I mean, he's been accurate,
0: and that's a good thing to see. Well, the field goal he did make. He had made it twice previously. That was when the false starts kept happening. Yeah, he kicked it three times. He kicked it three times and made all three. He did have one kickoff squared out of bounds, which that hasn't happened since the LSU game when he when he kicked two out of bounds. He got away with a couple that took fortuitous bounces, maybe against NC State or somebody and made it to the end zone. But no, I think this is where we never go back and do this, Keith, but we need to give the coaching staff a little credit here or a lot of credit. They knew that of the kickers they have on the roster, Ryan being the scholarship kicker, and then there's two or three walk-ons, that their best bet long-term was they had to get Fitz back mentally and let him be the kicker. But at the time, the conversation was, let's never kick again. We'll just go for it on fourth down forever, and we'll kick Ryan off the team. I'm overstating, but that was sort of the public and media sentiment on it, that that we're, you can't run Ryan back out there. Let's, let's find the walk-on who's good from 28 <laughs> yards and in, and we'll never kick if it's further than that.
1: Except that, and I can't remember who did this, but two or three years ago at one of the named programs, they had problems with their kickers. So on Monday, they had an open call. Anybody in the student population that's ever thought about kicking a football, come on out, we'll try you out.
0: They didn't do that either. Well, that was that was Vanderbilt, right? And there was that was part of the conversation too. Isn't there a reserve on the women's soccer team who could come out and kick field goals? But uh, again, if you... It, it, I mean, publicly they were going to be supportive of, of, of uh, Fitzgerald. I always – I have this mental thing. I want to say Fitzpatrick, so apologies if I've said that with the NFL quarterback as opposed to Fitzgerald. I've mixed that up for his entire career at FSU, so I just call him Fitz. It's a little safer, right? Um, <laughs> they, they knew, though, that the the right play there is you have to get – I mean, it's <clears throat> it's your slugger who's striking out right now, but you know he can hit home runs. you got to let him get through it. You can't just bench him and never see him again. And, uh, again, nobody's going to go back and, and credit the coaches for that, but I think they deserve some credit for that. He, he got his way out of the slump. He went back to his old mechanics, and it's working.
1: Let me tell you something, Tommy, and we have not talked about this a lot, and if you'll help me remember <clears> – <throat> pardon me. We may, we may sim- spend some time on this on Wednesday. You know, Norvell is very organized. He's very intentional. I believe he is a very good hands-on coach. You know, Coach Bowden, when he got later in his career, he wasn't really a hands-on coach. That's fine. Uh, Jimbo was very hands-on with quarterbacks. I'm not sure how much with the defense or offensive line. But, but, but Norvell is very hands-on in, in just about anything. In fact, last week during the press conference, they were asking him about the fullback position, the, the traditional throwback <clears throat> fullback position. And Norvell had this huge smile on his face because he was talking about uh, Lundy. And he said, That's my favorite position to coach. You know, if I could, if I only was a segment coach, I'd want to be the fullback coach. I love that position. I love those guys, blah, 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 blah. Point simply being, he surrounds himself with staff that are of his same mindset. He is a developer. You know he he is a uh, an individual that wants to take more of a raw talent and make it a polished talent, and that shows with his staff. And unlike other staffs, when even you and I could always name the assistants and we always knew something quirky about them, this staff is kind of below the radar, under the radar. Uh, They're they're kind of quiet. Uh, they, they, all they do is work hard and develop kids and they take on that mindset of their head coach. And and the whole concept of development is much different under Norvell than it's been in quite some time, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he definitely, it's, it's been impressive to watch the, the turnaround for Florida State here. All right. I'm not sure what else we need to discuss, uh, bowl game possibilities. Really, we're not going to know for certain until uh, the the first Sunday in December after the league championship games. I I do know that NC state losing to Boston college, really, it helps Florida state's case. I mean, Florida state was going to get picked over NC state anyway, just because it's a bigger draw and a bigger brand, but you have to be within one game of a team by league rule to get picked for a better bowl. So NC state losing helps that cause really what you're looking at is Clemson and Carolina who are in the championship game, Notre Dame, And FSU, those are the top four teams that are going to get ACC bowls. And I I think the four bowls they're going to go to is going to be the Orange Bowl, uh, Orlando, which I think is the Cheez-It, the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, maybe that's Tax Slayer still, I can't remember, and then the Holiday Bowl. So it's going to be those four, and Orlando and Jacksonville are going to politic hard for FSU. So um, if I was putting money on it, I I would say it's going to be one of those two destinations. Uh, I do know... Uh, from talking to some folks at the holiday bowl, I hadn't looked at this is a primetime game on Fox. It's an eight o'clock East coast game. And so Fox has a lot of sway and a lot of interest in getting a really big brand in that game, which Florida state would check that box, but so would Notre Dame. So if both of them are available, you're probably going to see Notre Dame in the holiday bowl. If Notre Dame somehow gets into a new year's six game, uh, then, then you're still talking about the same four bowls, but only three teams. And I really don't know after the orange bowl, because what I've seen on the in the ACC notes doesn't detail it, it doesn't indicate that one of those other bowls gets a first pick. It's more like all the bowls get in a room and have a discussion about who they really want come to an understanding. so I don't know how it works
1: yeah the the pecking order and the and the ranking uh based on things is is a little murky, and I believe that's probably intentional for very reasons such as this, so that you don't end up where you don't want to end up and maybe give them a little more flexibility. Well, I got, I got two topics, Tommy, before we cash out. The first one is we need to recognize our prime meridian bank performance of the game, and, you know, I'm very tempted to go with Travis. Um, threw for three, ran for one, caught for one, but I'm going to stick with Benson and, and just highlight 18 carries, 163 yards, 9.1 yards per touch. Uh, amazing what he's been able to do, as you mentioned, close to 800 yards. On the season now, a chance to make it a 1000 That was a great performance. And speaking of performance, if you're interested and in need of a checking account, a business checking account, uh, the home equity line, a mortgage, uh, any of those types of products, go see our friends at Prime Meridian Bank. Um, They'll greet you with a smile. They'll call you by name. Uh, I I still can't get over those cookies. I need to quit going in there and getting those cookies. (laughs) They're going to lose money on me. Uh, But they do it the right way. They've got offices in Tallahassee. Crawfordville and uh, down in Lakeland. You stop by and vis- visit them, stop by and see them, or you can check them out on the web at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank for our performance of the game. And then, secondly, should we worry about Louisiana, or is this team mature enough that uh, they won't look past, uh, past them uh, as they get ready for the Gators? What are your thoughts?
0: I, I think they're mature enough. Uh, I do think that. Uh... No, I, I think they are because they, they've, they've sort of answered that question. I mean, they perform well at Miami. And then really the big challenge is flushing the Miami game and getting ready for Syracuse. And and with all the uncertainty about the quarterback, if you prepare for that as, oh, we're playing a team that's struggling right now and they're not even going to have their starting quarterback, well, you lose that game. But but they prepared for the Syracuse of the first half of the season, expecting their starting quarterback, uh, a healthy version of it, and they took care of business. So I think they'll play well. It will be a sleepy crowd. It's a 12 noon kick, just like the Georgia tech game. Hopefully it's not quite as sloppy as the way Florida state started that game. But I do think these last few weeks have done a lot for Florida state from a confidence standpoint. I mean, Keith, it's been since 2013 that they beat three opponents in a row like this. 2013 is the last time they held two opponents in a row without a touchdown or three points or less. Uh, There's, there's a lot of comparisons when you go back and, You know, the offensive numbers are actually going to take a hit this week because they took the foot off the gas for 20 minutes in the game. I mean, the second team was in with five minutes to go in the third quarter, Uh, which, by the way, when you talk about when Florida State was playing great football and winning championships, the second-teamers always got to play that much. That just happened routinely. So by the end of the year, they had really played half a football season. Now that's happening. Uh, So I expect them to play well against Louisiana. I'm going to say, and we'll talk about this more on Wednesday, but I would say that
1: my, my measuring stick right now, as it relates to the Louisiana game, is does Florida State come out like they did against Georgia Tech and take the first nine or ten minutes off? Or do they come out like they've come out against Miami and Syracuse and scored early on those opening drives? If they pass that test, then I'll give them a big check mark as they get ready for the
0: Gators. Yeah, amen. That's going to be a fun game, by the way, against Florida. All right, we're out of time. we got later this week to talk about it. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Keith, somehow we did 45 minutes or whatever this is, 35 minutes on uh, a game that – a show that could have simply been Florida State dominated yet again.
1: Well, apologies to Johnny Wilson
0: for calling him Walker and apologize to Fritz for calling Fritz Patrick, and we'll just move along because
1: we're both getting a little older.
0: Exactly, exactly. All right, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.